How's everybody? It is a glorious day here in Maine. The weather outside is absolutely delightful and uh, couldn't be couldn't be a better day out there. Wherever you are in your place, whether it's in Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, or otherwise, uh, hopefully it's a great day. But you know what? I wanted to say something. We can make it a great day every day, regardless of the weather because of what we have in Christ. And I mean, it it largely can be an attitude. uh, And sometimes we need to have an attitude adjustment, at least I do from time to time. And uh, so we can make it glorious because of Christ. Paul, whom we're studying here in Ephesians chapter 3, wrote from from prison cells. 
and uh, had all kinds of pursuits that took place in in his life of him as a person by people who uh, would want to do him ill and want to do him harm. And yet Paul, toward the end of his life, would, would, would be able to write the words, I've learned the secret of contentment. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. So learning that type of contentment and and uh, in Christ in in the midst of our circumstances. But I will also say it does help when the weather is nice outside. It absolutely is is helpful to our being when when the sun is shining and the temperatures are are prime and the humidity is low. And uh, so anyway, I just want to encourage you guys have a great great day. We're just getting started. I'm not done with the program yet, but just a great day. I just want to encourage you and uh, to just think about the things I said, regardless of what the weather's like outside, to be able to have a great day. Um, we, we can do that, absolutely. We're in the book of Ephesians. We're in the third chapter on the weekdays currently. We're working our way through the Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians. And on the weekends, uh, I just began working... Uh, Leading us, he just began leading us through the book of First Timothy. Uh, both, interestingly, kind of surround this city of Ephesus. Timothy was the pastor to the church in Ephesus, and uh, or would at least become that, and and was the pastor in Ephesus when Paul wrote the uh, his letter of First Timothy to him. And uh, so we're, we're getting all kinds of insight and to think about the church life in that day and the life in that day and those types of things. So uh, I, I want to just ask you to be prayerful for for Wendy and I. Um, there's all kinds of big things, uh, perspective things on the horizon. But I checked my blood pressure this morning and it's up because these are big things. And uh, uh so, and just weighing them out, uh, Wendy and I spent lots of time the last couple of days thinking about uh, just some, some different aspects of things. Really, really has to do with, uh, you know, we're looking at the next phase of our lives and, and trying to get ourselves positioned for the next phase. Uh, and I'm talking ages. I'm not talking like geographical, like going somewhere necessarily. I mean, it could be geographical, but uh, in, in the sense of uh, you know, looking at our own home and things like that, um, but just prayerful um, as, as we give thought to those types of things. I don't want to lose my focus on the, the primary things, but I, I do want to, uh, you know, I, I do need to, and, and if you're a husband, uh, and many of you are uh, ladies this morning listening, not all, uh, you know, we have responsibility to take care of the, the needs and, and the desires of our spouse and to, to try to take care of those needs and desires. And uh, sometimes those things clash when, when you're in ministry, those things really clash strongly. And uh, just because of the, the nature of, of some aspects of ministry. So, um just we're good. I mean, I just want to say we're very good. Uh, and I want to encourage you to be very good in your marriage as well. But uh, my wife has aspirations and dreams that I have to figure out how to how to take care of those things uh, for her because I love her. Paul talks about uh you know, he traveled all over. He didn't have a wife and didn't have that responsibility. And uh, if if I didn't have a wife, uh, you know, I, I might think of things way differently, but I do. And I made a choice 34 years ago and uh, we are uh, loving life, loving each other. 
so I just want to encourage you, wh- wherever you are in your life, uh, if if you have that spouse, uh, how, how to really minister to your spouse uh, and meet their needs and, and have a strong marriage that exemplifies Christ. So uh, let's move into enough about me. I just needed to share that. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 Verse 1, Paul says, for this reason. Now, when he says for this reason, it always harkens back to everything that was just said, like in chapter 2. In chapter 2, he was talking about the dividing wall being broken down between ethnic groups and uh, how how Christ makes us all one. So he says, because, I could state it this way, because we've all been made one in Christ, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, uh, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. Paul is talking very specifically here about his particular calling uh, in the gospel, uh, how he is called to um, administer the gospel among the Gentiles. Really, there were some of the first two who uh, would administer the gospel were were Paul and were Peter. Peter saw the sheet coming down from heaven, and when he saw the sheet coming down from heaven, in the midst of that, and that's in the book of Acts, the sheet being lowered with all these different animals that the Jewish people weren't supposed to eat, yet yet God said, go ahead and eat these things, because I have made them clean. So, I mean, even that speaks to some of the Jewish law and how, how Jesus has set aside uh, some of those things, those uh, ceremonial aspects of things, um, and Peter would be sent to the Gentiles. Paul sent to the Gentiles his message, his place to understand the administration of God's grace given to you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written to you. Paul had a calling to administer the grace of God to the Gentiles. Now, uh we would ask ourselves the question, you know, what is our role? And uh, it seems to me that God has has put me, and I'm going to I'm going to talk about myself, I guess, a little bit this morning, here in Maine for making a difference in the state of Maine. Yes, I am to make a difference in the state of. Uh, in the state of Veracity Chapel, uh, we're not a state, we're a church, uh, but but to make a difference here locally, but it just seems that, that God has given me in the last year uh, a, a multitude of connections, uh, a multitude of, of listening ears. Now, they might not be listening ears on this broadcast, but listening ears in other places uh, and a sense of, of responsibility to try to bring a number of people together from all over the state of Maine for um, for the purposes of advancing the gospel. Various ministries, I, I sat with some yesterday, uh, a man, uh, some of you would, would know the man, Mark Adolfson perhaps, uh, Maine uh, uh, Outreach Center and also Littlefield Memorial Baptist Church down in Rockland, uh, and then the, uh, a principal of Penn Bay Christian School and then a, another uh, associate pastor at Waterboro uh, Church, uh, Waterboro Baptist, First Baptist Church in Waterboro. 
to talk about what they're doing and, and how do we all partner together in ministry. Paul understood his responsibility to administer the grace of God. And uh, you know, I, I just want you to know the sense that one of the things I'm wrestling with is, you know, what, what does this mean? What does this look like? How do I, you know, how do I fund these things? How do I, you know, some of it doesn't require a lot of funding necessarily. It's meeting with people and, and talking and trying to get people networked together and talking about what they're doing and doing many more things together. Um, as an example, on August the 12th, there is a prayer event. Another organization is uh, uh, responsible for this event, but uh, we have said just yesterday that we want to do what we can do to try to fan the flame of this first event. It's a prayer event uh, for the state of Maine uh, that will be taking place over in Windsor at uh, Windsor Christian Fellowship, uh, but I, I perceive they need us to to help uh, fan the flame of this event, and I would encourage our our church and folks from our church to participate in that event, and people from our Waldo County churches to participate in that event, and and uh, then down to Knox County, and and then up to the county to the north of us, and uh, uh, because we need to see the work of God. Uh, fanned and uh, uh, expanded and strengthened and prayed for here in the state of Maine. Paul had this sense in, in these verses uh, of a, a responsibility to administer God's grace among the Gentiles. So for me, that means to me to administer God's grace among people in Maine. Uh, you know, I, I, I've tried to say, well, in New England, it doesn't go that far, folks. It just doesn't go that far. It's Maine in particular. And uh, for me, uh, and it, it could be more, I'll be in Montana next month for a meeting, uh, part of an international group for disciple making. And But the, the focus that I have would be on New England as a part of this group and uh, kind of volunteer board uh, representative coach I mean, we're, we're still kind of uh, parsing out just what that means. But to fan the flame of gospel ministry here, that was Paul's calling. Uh, and and that, uh, really nailing it down, is, is what I believe to be my calling as well. So, and then to think about, uh, the and to think about the, uh, uh, Paul, what he had to do at times as a tent maker to, uh, to fund his his ministry. So just trying to think through all those things. Be prayerful with me because God is stirring in, in incredible ways here in the state of Maine that uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, down to Rockland, down in, in, in Portland, uh, um, over in Waterville, up in Bangor, and, and, and all over the state there are things happening that, that you don't get to hear about. But if you could hear about them and when, when, when the opportunity is right to bring things together for you to hear about them, you will be so encouraged. So I, I just want to encourage you uh, with what Paul is saying here, the administration of God's grace that was given uh, to me, for you, uh, and, and I want to say, I mean, I, I would like to say the same thing, the administration of God's grace given to me for you uh, in in this 
even in this broadcast, the, the grace of God that, that, that he has given to me. It, it's what I do, what I do, it is all by the grace of God. Uh, but, you know, God called me to this church some uh, 11 years ago, uh, going, getting closer to 12 every month. And uh, uh, God called me. But our church, I believe, and, and is to be a, a, a player doesn't matter the size of our church. We're to be a player on the the gospel stage in the state of Maine, and and this church historically has been over the years, and we need to return to that place and, and be strong in that place of um, how we influence uh, what happens for the gospel here. That's not to say other churches don't do that as well, but but that is to say that we. I believe we do have a responsibility and a calling as a church, as Veracity Chapel as well, to do that. And wherever you are, whatever church you might be a part of, I mean, what is your church's responsibility in, in their part of the world? I mean, yes, responsibility for their own town, but for some churches it's broader than that. So anyway, back into the text, I, I, I want you, to, uh, I want you to, to, to see this. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner, again, Paul, actually physically, literally had been a prisoner different times along the way in his ministry. At the end of his life, he was a prisoner um, for Jesus, uh, times a, a prisoner in, uh, in the Turkish area, and later on a prisoner in Rome. It says, I'm a prisoner for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace given to me for you. That is, and here's the word, the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. Now, what is he speaking about with this revelation? Well, we we have this revelation that is given uh, to us in the book of Acts, chapter 9, where Paul received this revelation from God when Jesus met him on the road from Jerusalem up to Damascus. Paul was on his way to, to thwart the work of the Christians in Damascus to arrest some. And, I mean, Paul stood there and, and was a participant in the stoning of Stephen. So we know he wanted to shut down the work of the gospel, but Jesus met met him on the road to Damascus, transformed his life, uh, and made Paul uh, one of, if not the greatest voice for the gospel to ever walk the earth. Um, and that is a very strong statement. I know you say, what about Billy Graham and his billions? Well, we have so much of our foundation for the Christian faith because of the work of the Apostle Paul. He had that revelation on the Damascus Road. Now, you would also read in 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 12 about another time that he had a revelation. Now, whether it is a different, separate time or if it is actually that time on the road to Damascus, there's some debate about that. But nonetheless, the, the full force of of the gospel, the understanding of the gospel, and and all the implications of the gospel for you and me were made known to the Apostle Paul, and then he passed them on in his preaching, he passed them on in his teaching, he passed them on in his writing, and we have this mystery made known to us today, namely the mystery of the gospel of Jesus, the gospel that brings men from death to life, the 
gospel that transforms men's character, that the gospel that that can restore relationships, the gospel that that can cause the depressed to feel overjoyed, the the gospel that that can take that was that which is broken and make it whole again. The gospel that can do all of those things, the mystery of the gospel made known to Paul, which now he has passed on to us. And then he goes on and says to us in verse four, in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other other generations as it has now been revealed by the spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. The gospel, the gospel uh, made known. And, and he speaks to this word mystery because it is a mystery. And even today, people have blinders over their eyes. They cannot see the full meaning of the gospel until until is really revealed to them by the Spirit of God to help people understand the gospel, the mystery of, of, of how Christ would, would leave heaven, would take on human flesh, would walk among men, would be tempted in every way as we are, would be crucified for for the sins of the world, would be buried in death, would be raised in resurrection, would walk the earth again, giving credence and evidence to, to the reality of the resurrection, would be ascended to the Father and will be coming again. That mystery, that is the mystery that you and I have, the mystery that you and I are now participants in and partakers of this mystery. It hadn't been made known in other generations. Not until the coming of Christ was it fully made known. And it's, it, it continued to be made known by the holy apostles and by the prophets, those that were proclaiming the word of God in that day. And it continues to be proclaimed in our day. Verse 6 tells us this. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs with Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. So Paul gives a definition here to the mystery that is through the gospel, the Gentiles share. And, and, and the mystery really being this, that, that God tears down the walls, that God brings uh, Jew and Gentile alike, that, that God has made it so white and black and yellow and brown and red and, and, and whatever colors of skin that, that people want to point to, whatever ethnicities. God can make us one in Christ. Those who are enemies can become brothers and friends and co-laborers together in Christ. And, and, and that is a wonderful thing. We must not allow the gospel uh, to come under the, uh, the influence uh, of the modern day narrative that seeks to stir racial tension. We must maintain the gospel eliminates racial tension. We are one in Christ. Now, if you are a person, and I have talked to some white Christian people that that have some bigotry about you, you need to get with God and allow God to change your heart toward, toward perhaps your black brothers and sisters. 
If you're a black person listening and, and you have the racial bigotry stirred up by the narratives that others in our day in the last decade have sought to stir, you must allow God to change your heart, that, that you would have the heart of Christ, that you would understand the mystery that is in Christ, that, that Christ makes the believers all one across the world, every tribe, every tongue, every language. We are made one in Christ. Now, now our some of our practices may not be the same. Uh, you, you might like music styles that we don't get. You might do dances that we don't understand. You might express yourself and worship in ways we don't understand. You might look at us. And, and I, I know a brother that um, has said, I, you know, it took me a while to get used to um, how you all worship there in Maine because it's kind of sedate. And I'm just not used to that. And it, it took some time to get used to, to being maybe less expressive that, and, and to understand theologically that you don't have to be, you know, uh, all moving all about to express yourself and worship. That That is very true. You might move all about. You might stand perfectly still. You might sing at the top of your lungs. You might just watch the words on the screen or in the book and think about the, the full force of those things and find your heart worshiping God. There are all kinds of different expressions of worship. The bottom line is, friends, that we need to press into living as one people in Christ. That is the mystery of the gospel, that we would be one together in Christ. Paul continues on, and he says these words down in verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. That is verse 7. I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through. You know, if, if, if you would have asked people around me who knew me, really knew me well, knew me in my home environment, and said, would this guy ever be a preacher? You go, you've got to be kidding us. You ever hear what he says? Do you know how he lives? You know the things that are important to him? You know what his sins are? No way on earth. Now, we will read uh, as in our study of 1 Timothy that Paul calls himself the chief among sinners. Now, I want to argue with Paul about that. Now, he might say, well, I killed somebody. That would make me a chief among sinners, participating in the, in the stoning of Stephen. Uh, well, okay, if you want to look at at, at things that way, okay, maybe a, a murderous uh, death of somebody might be greater, perhaps, and make you the chief of sinners. But I would then go to Paul if we were talking and say, but did you do this? And did you do this? And did you do this? I bet you never did any of those things, Paul. I would like to tell you, I think I was the chief of sinners. But it is the gospel. It is the gift of the grace of God given to us by the working of his power, as we read in verse 7, it gives us this ability to, to do what we do in and for Christ. He said, it's top of the page now, it says, I became a servant of this gospel. I am a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the work of his power. I, you know, uh, rich or poor, uh, you know, whether... Whether whatever the living circumstance is, to be a servant of the gospel is a great honor. 
to be a servant of the gospel as I am is, is an incredible honor. Now, sometimes you think, well, you know, I could do better for myself in a worldly sense if I went and did something different. And and, and I will tell you honestly that sometimes I, I look at in, indeed and think, man, I, I could do that and, and I could do better for myself financially and blah, 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 blah. But I'm not called to that. I am called to this as a servant of the gospel by, by the gift of God's grace given through the working of his power. I'd be hard-pressed, I think, to to do anything other than be a servant of the gospel. Now, that, that might be a servant of the gospel through through uh, teaching the Word of God, which I, I think is my first and greatest thing. Uh, it might be a servant of the gospel by by networking people together. It might be a servant of the gospel by leading the charge on uh, uh, on an academic, spiritual, academic, prepare, preparatory front. But, but I believe that, that I am called to the gospel, and I believe I would be miserable doing anything other than the gospel. And that's not to say that there aren't some tent-making things that that we are looking at that, that, that could develop over the next few years that would, would uh, uh, enhance and, and enable us to, to continue to do this and, and even more robustly. Uh, but it must be as a servant of the gospel because of the grace of God. Paul goes on and says this about himself. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I just love the words that Paul uses here. Again, he doesn't just say the riches of Christ. He talks about the unsearchable riches. Now, now for something to be unsearchable, what that really means is it goes beyond comprehension. You can search it out, and the more you search, the, the richer that you find that it is. And, and I believe it's that way with Christ. I believe it is that way with the gospel, that the more we understand of Christ, the richer uh the richer we realize Christ is and our life in Christ is and what we've been given in Christ is, the more we we dig into it, the more we look into it to to understand that it's unsearchable. You think, okay, I've gotten to the bottom of this. You dig a little bit more and you hit another vein of gold, the gold of Christ. You, you, you mine a little bit more and you find more diamonds, the diamonds that are in Christ. And to get to know him better, and hopefully what I do in teaching as I do here helps you to experience Christ more in that way. And I would commend to you to read Christian books. Listen to others who don't just give you self-help advice. Not that that is necessarily bad. It's not. We need that as well to sometimes get ourselves lifted out of situations in which we find ourselves. Uh, or to make our marriages better, to be better parents, and so on and so forth, to do better with our money. And I mean, and God's word gives all kinds of practical advice. But the stimulating factor, the titillating factor, uh, is, is in Christ. The riches in Christ, all that we have been given in Christ. Verse 8 said that, although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me, and I, I feel that way as well, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, to make no, to make plain, and, and that's, that's why I do what I do here uh, in this broadcast, to try to make plain to everyone the teaching of the Word of God. I, I don't try to take the higher road of the academy, uh, I try to take the ordinary road of the ordinary person to try to make plain 
the teaching of God's word. And, and, and Paul says, to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, for which for ages was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, notice Paul doesn't just say through me. He says through the church. Friends, that is through you and I, that through you and I living out our Christian life, not only in our insulated selves, but in our interdependent relationship with one another, that through the church, because you are not the church. I am not the church. Friends, we are the church. His intent was that through us, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. And notice what it says, made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, that that those in, in the demonic, those in the angelic would understand this mystery uh, in Christ, and then it says in verse 11, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the eternal purpose of our redemption accomplished in Christ. Verse 12 then says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Now, now this, this phrase really sounds quite similar to something that is written in the book of Hebrews. And and some of the similarities between this and and what you read in Hebrews has led some people to say the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Hebrews. I am still not convinced there's some who would say Paul wrote the letters to the Hebrews. I'm not convinced about that personally yet. And yet there is great similarity between what we read in verse 12 in Ephesians 3. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Well, when you get out of the Hebrews uh, chapter, let me make sure I'm in the right chapter. Yes, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 In fact, I'll pick up at verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sins. Friend, you feel the weight of temptation. Christ knows the weight of temptation. Yet he overcame the temptation, and that gives us hope that in Jesus we overcome our temptations as well. Verse 16 says this, Hebrews chapter 4, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This verse and what we read in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12 sound so similar. I encourage you today that you would approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Yesterday, just Jessica needed help. She asked us to pray. She may still need help today, so we pray for Jessica today. Uh, th- those Don indicated a need of help, so we pray, and I encourage you to come before God and pray to find mercy, to find grace, to, to help you in your time of need. 
The things that my wife and I are looking at, we come before God and say, God, it's something that only you can make work. And so we come before God. And, and if God would say, no, I, I'm not going to to grant that to you at this time, then then we must be okay with that. But there's but at this juncture in time, we pray and say, God, if, if you would work this all out, we would be so so blessed. Friends, that you and I would learn to approach God. And it said here in Ephesians 3.12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence to come confidently before God in the things you ask. And he goes on and says this, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Now, they, they were feeling badly for Paul. They were feeling badly that he'd been in prison. They were feeling badly that he couldn't travel and preach. They were maybe feeling uh, badly because he was in chains. They were feeling badly maybe because they knew he was losing his eyesight. All these different things they were feeling badly. And Paul says, don't be discouraged for me. Take joy. Take freedom. Take confidence. In Christ. Friends, may, may, may we live in the confidence of Christ. May today, may, may you and him and through faith in him approach God. Now, what it says in him, to realize that, that we get to come to God's throne room based on the merits of what Jesus has done for us. It isn't, it isn't just a it isn't just what we have done. It's what Jesus has done for us. And we acknowledge that. I don't come to God and say, God, because I'm such a great person, I want you to hear me out here. No, it's because of your graciousness to me extended in Christ. I come in humility before your throne in freedom. And I come in confidence knowing that you want to hear from me today. Friends, let your heart be changed into believing that God wants to hear from you today. Now, there might be things that God wants to change in your life. There might be things, steps that God wants you to take in your life that God might not just instantaneously answer that prayer. He might say, let's work together on this. And and that's what I think God is doing in, in the thing that is within my heart and Wendy's heart saying, let's work together on this and see what we can do. Um, whether it's something that happens in the next month or something that happens in the next two years, we believe that the Lord just wants us to work together with him to, to see what would happen. Uh, in him and through him, whatever your circumstance today, in, in him and through faith in him to approach God with freedom and confidence and to not be discouraged today. I want to encourage you to not be discouraged in your own life. I mean, there, there are discouragements. There are factors. There are things that, that I know cause you discouragement, but I want to encourage you today. Draw near to Jesus. Come looking for the grace of God. Come looking for the mercy of God. Come looking for the aid of God. Come looking for the clarity of God. Come looking for the provision of God. Perhaps it's provision that you need. Uh, perhaps it is healing that you need. Uh, perhaps it is uh, uh, to, to see God work in a relationship. Perhaps it is, I mean, it is all kinds of things. You can fill in the blank. God says to us, bring these things to me. So so bring whatever it is that you have before God. God, whatever it is on the hearts of, of my friends today, it's my prayer that you would uh, uh, help them to trust you. You'd help me and help us to trust you. Help us 
through faith in you to approach the throne of God with freedom and with confidence. As this verse says in Ephesians 3.12, and as we read over in uh, the book of Hebrews 4.16, that we would have that confidence to come before you. And so, God, we do come before you. Lord, hear our prayers. Those that need healing, we pray that you would heal them. Those that need provision, that you would provide for them. And that, Lord, we wouldn't we, we wouldn't boast in ourselves, but, but that it would humble us all the more with a sense of great gratitude to our great God. So, Lord, we come before you today. We lift you our burdens. We lift you our concerns. We lift you our, our friends and brothers and sisters around the world who suffer in all kinds of ways that we don't even understand. Lord, we come to you through Jesus, and we conclude, Lord, hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Friends, that's a wrap for today. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone.